Where's Pastor Connie? Make a note for staff meeting that I need to approve the announcement video from now on. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I was saying this morning, you know, the, the whole birthday thing this year has been kind of a contemplative thing for me. I'm turning 45. I'm, I'm fine with it. My knees are not so much, but I'm fine with it. Um, but I was just saying, as my nan this summer uh, celebrated her 90th birthday. Our, our dear Mrs. Bodock is, is celebrating 90th on, I think, the 29th. And so, and I'm here halfway through that. And then we got Mama Flo over here, who's 90 plus 5. I don't know if I was supposed to tell that or not, but... Oh my goodness, the beautiful generations, amen? So thankful, so thankful for, for um, yeah, just being able to sit back and contemplate, you know, at 45, you know. I'm young, I know, I know. But you know what? The guy who gets to 80 years old and hadn't contemplated to that point regrets it, right? So I try to, um, I try to just keep things in perspective. And I was just thinking, and, and you know, most of what I can think about in my life, if not, well, actually all of it, I just feel very thankful, feel very grateful. I, I wrote in my journal this morning and said, I'm very extremely thankful for my wife, my kids. I wouldn't have changed any of that. Um, even when they're squirming and driving me nuts in the front row at church. Knock on wood. We're all family, you know, right? So feel feel free. Come on up. No, it's true. I'm just kidding. It's all good. God is good. You know, I'm very thankful. And thank you. I know my wife likes to make a big deal of this. and It's all good. I've literally woke up on my birthday before and come down to the birthday breakfast and, and, and she's like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, right. Oh, cool. It's all good. It's all good. Well, let's look into a word of God today. I'm, I'm thankful to be here today. Thankful to be able to have the privilege of being able to present the word of God. It is the, oh, next to being a dad and a husband, it's the greatest thing I get to do. Literally, and uh, so I just, I just thank, so thankful for it. Uh, my sermon this morning is Wells and Worldview, and uh, just want to start by reading John fourteen one to two. A very familiar passage. It's, um, I would say, it's right up there as probably some of those, you know, life verses that I would consider for myself. It says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have?" told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And we can all stop right there and say amen, right? Amen. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And we can all say amen to that, amen. You know the way to the place where I am going. I love this passage because it tells me that my life, in my life, me as I am, is noticed and loved by God. I don't know about you, but there's days that I feel, wake up and feel less than. Amen? Not amen to the feeling less than, but amen to the truth that we feel that way. God has also carved out a specific space for each one of us, and I think we need to understand this in our lives. Um, a specific place in his kingdom in the here and now, like right now, 
and eternity. Uh, I've heard it said oftentimes that some people are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. But I've also heard it said, and I would flip it on its end a little bit and say, sometimes people are too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. But I remember, remember in the Lord's Prayer that it says that thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That tells me that I should probably be living my eternal kingdom life right now. Amen? So I believe that, you know, he has a specific place carved in his kingdom. And I like to think about that in time and space. And I like to think about that eternally with my Father forever. In figuring out our specific space, uh, we acknowledge that we all have desires, we all have dreams and visions. And I, I actually, again, in my journal this morning, I was writing down, you know, some of the dreams, the desires, the visions that I have just for my personal self. I mean, I dream, you know, for, for, for Warden, but, but I think it's important for everyone here to stop and dream for yourself. Think about how you can be better in every day, in every life, in every week, every year. And so I said this earlier, I'm a little contemplative. So I started thinking about my desires and the desires are what I can't live without. What gives me vibrancy? What makes me feel alive? You know, I mean, that's kind of a broad term, but I, when I think of desires, you know, people ask me, what are you going to do on your birthday? I said, I'm going to eat some good food. And for, and, and my, my family is very, how do I say this with their food choices? Vanilla? You know when you go into the rest into the into the ice cream store and there's like a hundred flavors and you're like, I'm gonna be here for an hour just trying to pick one and they're like, I'll have vanilla. I'm like, come on, live a little, you know, get something with some cheesecake in it or a peanut butter cup. Right? Or something that has a name on it that's about a sentence long. But I so we all have these desires, you know, the things that give us vibrancy, the things that make us happy and just it, the joys of life. We have dreams. Dreams is where hope comes in and it's the vessel for your desires or your passions. So when we dream, we're dreaming of a place where all your desires are met and, and your passions are met. You know, we dream, you know, we all have this dream. And I, I joke around with my wife, I said, my dream of uh, retirement way down the road somewhere uh, is a cabin. I have this picture of this cabin in the woods. You know, I, I'm sure we've all seen it on a commercial on TV somewhere with a wooden walkway going all the way down about at least 300 yards down to a dock with a little dock with a couple of Muskoka chairs. Of course, the lake is full of fish. And unfortunately, there's very few people involved. It's just, <laughs> it's just quiet. And I always picture early, early in the morning. By afternoon, I'm okay. The people can come by then, but give me my mornings, right? And so we all have dreams, you know, but, but those dreams don't become the past until you decide that they're going to be vision. Because vision is not vision unless there's faith, unless there's firm obedience, unless there's action. If you want your dreams to become vision, if you want your dreams to come to pass, you got to take action. You, we can all dream and have fancy ideas in our mind about what things are, are going to be and what are not going to be, but if you don't you're not obedient to what God says. If you don't take steps and make goals in those directions, it'll never become vision. So in Genesis 26, we read about Isaac. And we read particularly about Isaac's encounter with Abimelech, uh, who is the king of the Philistines. And Isaac, as a result of the covenant relationship between his father Abraham and God, 
was clear on what made him feel alive. I believe he was clear on his dreams and where God's um, and what were God's dreams for his life, and and that God had blessed him, and through his obedience, he was continuing to work the work of Abraham in transforming his dreams into vision. And so we pick it up in Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 to 6, and I want to start here and just read uh, these verses for some context this morning uh, before we proceed. It says, Now, beginning of verse 1, Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. So everything he said, God said to Abraham, he's reaffirming it with Isaac. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Father, I pray that you would open this word to us this morning as we look at it together. I pray again that I would just be a vessel and that you would be the primary communicator in this room. And uh, that we would just be faithful to what you're going to speak to each one of our hearts today. So Holy Spirit, we surrender. Pray that you give me clarity of thought and speech as I present your word today. We just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. It appears that Isaac going to Egypt to avoid the famine, not the famine in Abraham's time, but right in this particular time, as it says in Scripture, seems like it was a real possibility. Uh, but God tells him to stay and assures Isaac, and this phrase is probably overlooked but very important here, he says, I will be with you and bless you. It's easy to stay when you believe that truth. Amen? That I will be with you and I will bless you. Isaac faced many struggles after his father's death. His half-brother Ishmael was not happy because Abraham gave Isaac the firstborn's inheritance and he felt left out. Then a famine came and Isaac had to move his family to Gerar. You know, we're back up to current times now where he was welcomed by the Philistine king Abimelech. His first contact there, though, was a little bit shaky because... He had a beautiful wife named Rebecca, and he thought that, you know, if I tell them this is my wife, then they may want to take her for themselves. It's a different time. I wish it was even more different. <laughs> but, but you know, he was worried that, that they, these powerful people would take his beautiful wife to be with himself, uh, to be with them. And he did this because, like I said, she was beautiful. But sometimes our own struggles are self-inflicted. Amen? Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we do things we think are, are right, but are not exactly what God wanted. Even when Isaac did things like this uh, that may have not been that wise, God still granted him favor with the king, uh, and the king didn't overreact and gave orders for Rebekah's protection. And so the king calls him out on it, you know, sees him, you know, affectionate with his wife in the courtyard or, or whatnot, and, and calls him out on it and says, what are you doing? He says, you could have caused us to sin. But God's favor 
we know the history of the Philistines and the Israelites in, in history. It's not that great. When you get up to David's time, you know, it's wars upon wars. But here, God gives him favor with Abimelech. And so he doesn't cause any, doesn't kick him out of the land or anything like that yet. <laughs> so his time in career started off a little shaky. Then he, uh, we see the blessings of God begin to pour it into his life. Isaac had great agricultural success. success. It says that his crops yielded a hundredfold in verse 12. He became very wealthy, but the Philistines did not react well to his success and filled in the wells that were dug during his father's time in Gerar. So after being forced to move from Gerar because of this, at the request of the king Abimelech, because he was becoming too rich and powerful, and that they feared him, he settled in the valley of Gerar. Can you imagine? Hey, congrats on your success. Now get out. Can you imagine coming in, actually bringing financial success, probably improving your, your actual living uh, arrangements of the whole city, the place. Because of his agricultural success, he's feeding into the economy, and they said, no, we're kind of getting scared of you. You're getting too powerful. Congrats on your success, but get out. Seriously, though, God says, I will be with you and bless you. And just when that seems to be happening, the world says, nope, you got to go. After arriving in the Valley of Gerar, the herdsmen then became hostile with him and would lay claim to the wells he dug there as well. So he gets kicked out of Gerar because he is too successful and gets welcomed to the Valley of Gerar by the herdsmen with the same envy and hostility. And this happened while he was faithful to God. So let's pick it up again in Genesis 26, 17 to 24, it says there, beginning of verse 17, so Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there, but the herds Herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esset because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba that night. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Now the theme of wells in this passage is very interesting. In scripture, wells <laughs> excuse me, represent the tangible evidence of divine blessing. The purpose of wells were to for refresh. I mean, you, you they needed them to drink water. You know, they needed them to 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 grow crops. They needed them to to you know service their livestock. They needed water for everything. They needed water to clean. Can you imagine all of a sudden today if somebody said they were going to take water out of your house and you couldn't have water? I have a funny feeling your house would smell a little bit different in a week. 
is only so far hand sanitizer can go. Wells were also used as landmarks. It was it was uh, spots where people would say, you know, go to the well of, and, and Beersheba is a good example of that as well. Isaac had to be frustrated. He knew the great covenant that God had made with his father Abraham and reaffirmed in him, but every time he took two steps forward, it seemed like he had to take three steps back. And we see here, it was being sent, first of all, away by King Abimelech because... He was too wealthy and powerful. That had to hurt. I can't imagine in the moment what that had felt like. He seemed like he was becoming friends and that he was uh, putting down roots and he was getting established in the city. It takes time to figure out, you know, it takes at least one season to grow a crop, right? So he was there for at least one full season, probably more. It had to hurt. There had to be friendships and relationships that were getting put aside in order to keep the peace According to Abimelech, I'm sure. Then he dug a well for survival, you know, something he needed for refreshment, something he needed for his crops, something he needed for his livestock. Only to have it dis disputed. And the word here in Hebrew, Essek, is actually means disputed or, or a place of strife. And then third, he dug another well, and the herdsmen opposed that one as well. And this word, Sitna, that he named this well, is, is can be translated as a place of hatred, but more specifically as a place of opposition. How much dispute and opposition would Isaac have to endure in remaining faithful to his father's covenant with God? I think it's important when you're reading this to realize that the struggles and the hardships that he's dealing with and moving, he did not have a small estate. To move his estate... I mean, was massive. And every time he went to settle somewhere, every time he went to put down roots, every time he went to dig a well for refreshment, you know, for his survival needs, there was opposition. And it's important to understand that he was faithful. He was faithful at this time. Have you ever been there? You ever feel you are on a path God has placed you on and you come upon a well of sorts, a time of blessing? A time of refreshing, but then the struggles come. Maybe you start a new job, and you're excited about it. It might even be your dream job, and then COVID happened. And you got laid off. Heart breaks for people in those situations. Maybe you uh, finally got a chance to buy a house, and the interest rates skyrocketed. These are real everyday life things we're dealing with right now, correct? I wish I could say that I didn't know somebody who lost their house. But these are reality. These are things. And it's not just happening to people who aren't Christians. It's happening to Christians as well, right? We're not exempt to the struggles of the world. Maybe your car breaks down. Test your already tight budget. Maybe illness comes. Financial difficulty, whatever it looks like. Relationship problems. Maybe society or maybe even a family member's worldview is in opposition to your own worldview. It's a bigger one than you'd like to think about, maybe. They begin to believe something that you don't believe. Choose a path that you don't want to choose. I would take the other things before that, before that one, any day of the week. A worldview. I think we need to understand what it means. And James Sire 
described it this way, and I, I like this definition, is a worldview is a collected collection of attitudes, values, stories, and expectations about the world around us. So what you believe about the world around us, which inform our every thought and action. It is the big rocks in our life. It is the big nuggets in our life that we will not compromise on. It's your philosophy in life, as it were. Worldview is expressed in our ethics, in religion, in philosophy, scientific beliefs, and so on. You may feel like you are in a cycle. Society, circumstances, the enemy creates disputes and opposition for your peace, your shalom. At every turn... So what then? So what then? Boy, the temptation is to give up, isn't it? To roll over and try to find another way or do so, I don't know. Uh, have you ever got to the place where you've kind of felt like your fight is just wearing out a little bit? you much rather flight than fight. But thank God. I remember the first time this passage became real to me. I said, thank God for real love. Thank God for the room that he creates for each one of us in his kingdom if we remain patient, if we remain faithful. And that's exactly what this word, Rehoboth, means, room. It means a place of room. It means space to thrive. And thank God for the peace that passes all understanding when you guard your heart in Christ Jesus, because that is what exists in the place, Rehoboth. In the room that God has provided for you in the kingdom of God. Thank God for truth that reminds us that God has always carved out room for us in his kingdom. Go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, no, he wouldn't tell you that. But he's coming back. Coming back. And even though you may be in space that he's carved out for you right now in your cell, and you're like, God, I'm still not real content here. You know, the place that you've asked me to go to in the Valley of Gerars, there's still a lot of disputes. There's still a lot of opposition. There's still a lot of struggle here. You know, the well is just down the road from these other wells. You know, I know you, you've given me real buff, but I can see Sitna right there. I can see the opposition. It's right there. I can see the other wells. not that far down the road, the disputes. I'm reminded of what's going on around me. It's still not that great a place. That's why I read this passage at the beginning, because you need to be reminded that in this kingdom now, it is inaugurated. We are here. We are meant to live a kingdom life now, but we also need to be reminded that if he is gone, he's gone to prepare an eternal place for you. An eternal home. And I just happen to believe that that eternal home has divine fulfillment. I don't believe it's a place where I'm going to sit on a rocking chair in a cabin in the woods looking out at the Muskoka Tiles chairs. Oh, that sounds pretty good though. I'm just saying. I believe I'm going to be working in heaven. I'm going to understand and, and appreciate complete divine fulfillment. I believe that he has plans to keep me active, to keep me moving, and to keep us exploring. And I just believe that heaven is so much more than just a rocking chair with golden roads. There's a passage in Revelations that talks about how to give it, the, the gates of heaven are wide open. 
Oh man, that gets my mind moving. Well, God let me come and go and explore and, and do the things. Man, heaven is, to think about heaven and to think about glory, to think about glorification, to think about the eternal side of the kingdom of God. I can't even just sit and just sit still and think about it because there's too much to dream about. But we have a God who turns dreams into vision. And heaven is more than a dream. Heaven is a reality. Heaven is a home that he's preparing for you. Heaven is real, Bob. Heaven is a room, it's a place. And I want you to enjoy the room he's giving you now. The difference between believers, I believe, and people who don't have the hope that we have is how you walk past Essek. It's how you walk past Sitna. It's how when you're doing the work that later seems futile. You did all the work. You know, it wasn't easy to dig a well back then. You did all the work and finally you hit the, the gold, which, which was what it was. It was survival. You hit the water. You, when you dig down, you see it. And the joy that comes from the refreshing of even just dipping your... I can imagine what it would have been like in there to dig a well and to finally hit water. It's like, oh my goodness. I can only imagine what it would feel like. And, and to be able to do all that, and then all of a sudden someone come and force you away from all the work you had done. It's difficult sometimes to live in this life. But verse 22 reminds us, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So what if life takes your wells? What if life seems to be taking your blessings? God's faithfulness inspires us to press on in faith, even when life fills in our wells. We must hold to the promises of God, to the desires, the dreams, the vision He blesses us with. That doesn't change because a well in our lives gets filled in. God has room for you. He has carved out your space. He has carved out your role. He has carved out your place in the kingdom of God. And we don't sit on our hands and wait for him to come and bring us to the place in heaven. We enjoy the place in the kingdom he has planned for us now. Amen? I was expecting a little more emphaticness with that amen. That was a pretty good point. Kingdom life is now. I, I got to tell you something with Christians that drives me nuts is the people who are sitting in their hand waiting for the return of the Lord. He's not coming for people who are sitting on their hands. He's not coming for the person who's not willing to get out and help their neighbor and, and to care for and, and to be empathetic and to show mercy. I believe it says in Romans, in chapter 2, it says it is His kindness, it is His mercy that leads us to repentance. I want to be a vessel of that mercy. I want to be a vessel of that empathy, that kindness. God has room for you. He's carved out a space for you. I promise that no matter how much you loved your precious, your previous well, God will find fresh blessing for you as you live out His vision. And I'm not talking, don't 
think I'm talking about, I'm not talking no prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about understanding the blessing that is being in the will of God and being content there. And to recognize the provisions that God has given us. I've had my kids ask me sometimes, oh, I'm so hungry. Do we have to pray? Absolutely, we have to pray. And we have to do it not only, God's great, God's good, let's sing first for the amen. Some of y'all did that. Don't act like you haven't. Some of y'all looked at your parents and said, I prayed in my head. I've heard that one before. You got to pray and thank God for the blessings that we live with, with intention. Intention. God does not turn your desires and dreams into vision for, for life, family, church, only to leave you desolate, dry, and without provision. Not the way my God works. You can sense the relief in Isaac's response. He says, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish. We've done a lot of hard work and it's been taken from us. We have felt refreshing, you know, from Essex. We felt refreshing from Sydney, but someone came and took our refreshing. But now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish. Lee, uh, J. Lee Grady put it this way. It says, Rehoboth means broad place, and it refers to the land of inheritance. Boy, that's another sermon. That only God gave and that the enemy cannot steal from you. The Philistines did not contend for Rehoboth. God kept them away. Philistines did not contend for Rehoboth, but God kept them away. The broad place is somewhere in God's kingdom. God has planned for you under God's protection. It is your space of blessing and refreshing. It provides for you what a well should. It provides hope. It provides refreshing. It provides peace, perseverance. It provides provision as you live out the vision he has given you in this world. It was right after the, this experience that God appears to Isaac and reconfirmed to him the promise that he had made with Abraham. And the Lord brought Isaac to Beersheba, which literally translates the well of oath, and reconfirmed the covenant with him. And it says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I guarantee you, when, 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 when Isaac heard those words, he was like, thank God we didn't give up at Essek. Thank God we didn't, you know, turn around and, and maybe after Sitna got buried back in, after that well got buried, maybe, thank God I didn't decide then to go to Egypt. Because that's where the original consideration was to go, to go to Egypt. But God told him to stay. I'll take care of you. Stay. And so he says, I am the God of your father Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. In other words, your faithfulness is not in vain. You persisted through the disputes. You persisted through the opposition, and I have brought you to broad places. Even when you felt like I wasn't present, you persevered, and I was with you all along. Seem to remember... Isaac's father doing something like this with his nephew Lot, right? It came time to decide who was going to graze their animals wherever. He stepped out of the way and gave Lot the best place. Uh, it's hard to say that Lot 
receive more blessing from that than Abraham did, is it? You know the whole story. Not going to get into that this morning. That would be much too big a tangent, but you can go read it. I encourage you to do that. Even when you felt like he wasn't present, you still persevered. You realized he was with you all along. So I got two closing statements and a question for you this morning before we go. Number one is don't camp at the wells of dispute and opposition. You're not intended to camp there. Yes, you're going to encounter them. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to deal with those situations. You're going to have to, to decide how you're going to walk through and live through those situations. But you don't live there. You do not camp there. Don't let a tough season reshape your whole worldview. He moved on. Isaac moved on. We get ourselves in trouble on times when we camp in places that we thought were meant for blessing. So we linger there determined that we're right and God is not. But God is saying, dig another well. You say, but the first one was so hard to dig, God. It, we had to go so deep to find water. I don't know if I can get down to deep again. Trust me, my son. Trust me, my daughter. Take another well. Take another well. And we need to remind that he didn't leave the Valley of Guerrero. He knew that this is where God wanted him to be. So instead of remaining in dispute, he dug another well. Then that one became a well of opposition. We need to understand that disputes and opposition may come, but they don't have to stall his vision for us. They do not have to define us. They do not have to change the big things that we believe. They do not have to change the course and the path that we have chosen to serve Him. We do not have to compromise our faith because we have to dig another well. Don't camp there and fight. Sometimes we pick fights that we have no business picking. I gotta confess to you, I hate, hate is a strong word. If my daughter was here when she was three years old, don't say that, that's, that's a bad word. I dislike the song, I went to the enemy's camp, took back what he stole from me. I, I just, I'm a, I'm my, my brain is a philosophical brain and I'm like, why are you going to the enemy's camp? Seriously though, don't you know the enemy is full aware of where you are? Now, I understand there's visuals and you can get into the visuals while you set up a camp inside where my place, my room. I get, I get it, but there's fights you don't need to pick. The biggest fight that you have to worry about was, def was won when he died on the cross for your sins. And he rose again and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. You are victorious. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had Jesus say to me very specifically, stay before and he told me you're going to walk through some tough times but he said stay I got you don't go to Egypt but I have to tell you too uh, there's a redeeming answer to that but yeah I went through a season of, of Essex I went through a season of Sitna but we did get to a place of Riobah 
I begin to see, and I look back now in hindsight, and I can see God's work, God's hand, and how faithful He is to the faithful. Amen? God determines. And this is a truth, though, if you don't get anything else into your system this morning. God determines the time of our blessing, not us. We just need to remain faithful. God more than enough. He is El Shaddai. God, number two, God has a space plan specifically for you, one that only you can fill. I, I, I'm amazed that in the world where we have near creeping up on 8 billion people that think that there's a God that can specifically know the details of my life. It is amazing. It is incredible. It is unbelievably true and real but it's still beyond my mind's conception but I feel the personal call of my father who speaks to me and when I am in the pocket of his will I feel that good pleasure easy to be in that will. Not always easy. The place in this world in his plan that he has marked out for you awaits and in his time of blessing for you at the will of his choosing he will remind you of what it is that he has called you to do and what he has promised to you. Number three is as I said a question, two statements and a question. Does your worldview Acknowledge God's eternal plans for you. I want you to think about that. Your your philosophy of life, the things you believe about life, the things that you're not compromising on anything, your your worldview, where does God fit into that? And does your worldview acknowledge God's eternal plans for you? Does your place in this world, does it expand eternally? Do you realize that, yes, we're in the kingdom of God and he has carved out a space for me right now, but it also, we need to realize that God has carved out a space. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. If you're at Essex today, if you're in a place of dispute, do not let your heart be troubled. If you're in a place of opposition, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and his son. He says, my father's house has many rooms. Not just room, many rooms. He has vast expanse and space. When I was a kid, I liked to think of the coolest possible room. You know, we all had rooms. You know, when I was a kid, I had WWF wrestlers and hockey players and Ken Griffey Jr. and basketball players plastered all on my wall. I wanted people to know when they came into my room, it was my room. This is my space. And it had Peter written all over it. If you look at my guitar case out there, it's got Toronto Raptors, 2019 champion, world champions. Woo! People look at that guitar case, there's no confusion who owns that thing. And yes, God has specific plans for you for eternity, but it's much bigger than a bedroom, folks. It's much bigger than a mansion. It's a place, it's a purpose, it's fulfillment. 
His divine presence for eternity, which we can't even fathom, is bigger than what you can dream about. But He has a vision for you. He has a plan for you. He says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Imagine the fire that sort of lit in the disciples' hearts when he heard this. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Where I am is my end result. Where he is is my end result. That's my eternity. That's my room. That's my place in the presence of the king. He says, you know the place where I am going. That's kind of a whole other sermon, that phrase. That one is the one that confused the disciples a little bit. Because they took it a little bit too literally. But I love this passage. And it reminds me that my worldview, what I believe about life, but what I believe about the space that I'm supposed to fill here and the things I'm supposed to do, God has way bigger plans than that. And he has eternal plans for me. These verses are worldview shapers. If you have an understanding that the space God has planned for you is eternal, should that not inform your worldview? It informed Isaac's. Isaac was a believer in a in a promise that was given to his father of which he was his only offspring but that said his offspring is going to outnumber the sands the sands of the seashore think about that Isaac is an only child except for you know Ishmael who a half brother Isaac only child and he's still believing and holding firm to the promise that was given to his father that I'm going to make you a great nation that your offspring is going to have a number to the, the, the sand and the seashore. It's, it's amazing, but he was still faithful. God made eternal promises to Abraham, and he made them to Isaac. And today, today, to be honest, we are the beneficiaries of those promises today and for all eternity. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, I, I admit candidly and transparently this morning, there's days where I wake up and I question the space I'm in sometimes. And it makes me think weird things, Lord. Like, I, <laughs> I really love what I do. I love my job and everything. But, but the reality is the world wants us to feel uncomfortable where we are. The world wants us to focus on moments of dispute. They want us to focus on times of opposition. They want us to focus on the things that tear our view away from you. And I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that I can go to your word, that I can sit in the silence and wait in your presence and feel the confirmation of your presence in my life where you remind me that I am in a real bath in the place that you have placed me. And whatever the circumstances where I am, I can get through it because I am here as one appointed by God. So Father, thank you for that truth today. But Father, 
I pray that we would not even just believe that just here in time and space, but we would also understand that in this kingdom, oh God, we have an eternal place being prepared for us. That we will one day be in the eternal presence of the Almighty God. And we will have a different understanding of well and refreshment. We will have a different understanding of provision goodness and holiness thank you for that Lord Jesus I live my life in the present in this kingdom of God because more people know to know about you Lord Jesus but I long I long to be in that open space you prepared for me in the presence of the almighty God we love you Lord Jesus we pray that you just be honored in this place today that you would challenge us as we go in your precious name we pray, amen. Let's just sing this amazing worship song. I don't know if you know it or not. The first line says, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to be where you are. And just, if you don't know the words, it's all right. Just close your eyes. I just believe there's something that happens in quiet moments. Sometimes I think we focus so much on the singing that we that we don't know how to worship when we get out of the building. I got up this morning and I was about to sit down and, and, and do my Bible study like I do every Sunday morning. And God said, go, go for a walk. And I got up and I walked. And I walked to McDonald's nearby and got an Americano. And as I'm walking, I was reminded that God wanted a little bit more of a personal conversation. And in my, it, it, it led me to when I got back to the house and I read into my journal, I said, God, this year I want to, the journal has done so much for me. It helps me communicate what's going on in this crazy brain. Trust me, you want to be in here half the time. But he said, I love these conversations. And he said, I want you this next year to be a little more conversational with me. And so that walk and that conversation just brought so much life me this morning as I spoke to my father and I could feel him listen. Don't ignore the quiet spaces. So if you don't know the words, just listen to the words. Take a moment and allow God to speak to you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll just dismiss we'll dismiss in a moment, but let's just worship God together.